Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. What's the struggle in your finances? Oh, don't talk about that one. They're going to think everybody will think that you're after their money. I don't care. God will take care of me. God wants me to preach. He'll open doors. Simple as that. What's the struggle in your finances? Name it out loud. A lot of people probably in this room, you need to start with, I don't believe the Bible. Malachi 3, 8 through 11 says, will a man rob God and detest God in one thing? Tithes and offerings. Most Christians do not tithe. I told you the average gift for the Christian in the evangelical movement is $12 a week. Whoops! $12 a week? So you're making $48 a month? Really? That would be your total, not your tithe. But What's the struggle in your finances? Say it. Well, my wife spends all of our money. Say it out loud then. Quiet in here, man. Woo, you guys are nervous. Second Peter 1.10 says this, be even more diligent. Listen now. Second Peter 1.10, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never struggle. All the things that you need to do are above it, and we'll get to it if we can. What is the struggle with your health? Well, I don't really consider that a struggle. That's just the consequences of living on earth. No, it's a struggle. God wants you well, 100% of the time. He took up your infirmities and carried your diseases. If you're struggling in your health, something's wrong. I don't have a problem saying it. Why does anybody have a problem saying it? I failed. What's wrong with that? If you did, you did. What's the struggle with your mind? Name it. I'm depressed. I'm bipolar. Those are struggles. They're not diseases. Now, one amen and one that's right. You guys still believe in what they tell you in this earth, in this world, about mental illness? You still believe it? You believe addiction's a mental illness or sin? It's sin. God has given you power, love, a sound mind. There's no reason for anybody in this room to ever be depressed a day in your life, ever. Take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. That's all you have to do, take it captive. Well, Tom, I don't have a struggle. Does your fruit testify to that? Does your fruit testify that you are not struggling right now? What does that mean? Luke chapter six, verse 44, for every tree is known by its fruit. Listen to the next part. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a ramble bush. I'm gonna tell you what Christians are majorly guilty of this morning. They call thorns figs. They call, they call thorns or bramble bushes grapes or figs. Does your fruit testify out loud that you are not struggling? Everybody around you saved, right? Everybody in your house. Does your fruit testify? How, do, how does fruit testify? Is there the miraculous in your life? Is there power in your life? Is there healing in your life? Is there anointing and approval in your life? 
If we never have won a soul, we're struggling. If there's no miracles, we are struggling. If there is lack, we are struggling. If the devil is too much in our lives, we are struggling. If we are carnal, we're struggling. The carnal nature is hostile toward God. You're struggling. Are you moody? Quiet in here. Man, this is the quietest I've ever heard this church. (laughs) See, this is what you call real church. This is not some internet kyped message. Naked and unafraid. (laughs) Don't do life alone. This isn't that. This is the Bible. Matthew 12, 33 says, either make the tree good or make the tree bad. Make your decision. Or else the tree, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree, for a tree is known by its fruit. What's our fruit? See, we have to be honest with ourselves. My, uh, and listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm not like Joe Biden who says they're going to be transparent and then absolutely closes down everything. I'll be transparent with you. I have struggles. I say it out loud. I struggle. Anybody else? Is my fruit exactly where it needs to be? Then why won't we say it? You only get one time on this spinning rock the way that it is now. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. You're going to spend eternity right here. Maybe in heaven for a brief period of time, but you'll be here. But you only get one time on this fallen planet. What's our fruit? Does it really testify that we're not struggling? Do you have a fantastic marriage full of romance? You're struggling if you don't. God has come to give you, Jesus has come to give you life and life to its full abundance, John chapter 10, verse 10. If it's not there, something's wrong. Say it out loud. Some of us need to have honest conversations with the people in our lives. Well, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? What's the worst thing that could happen? Put a bullet in your brain, you die and go to heaven. I'm going to be one of those episodes on 2020, the murder of so-and-so, because he told his wife that she's whatever. (laughs) I don't have a struggle. Speaking of your wife, would she say that? Whoops. (laughs) Would she say that you don't struggle? The people that you live with, would they say that? Would your friends say that you have no struggle? Would your pastor say it? Would your church say it? I want to advise everybody this morning, stop living in in denial and name your struggle out loud in confession to God. A universal problem in the church is haughtiness. Where do you get that from, Tom? Pastoring for 15, 16 years. Being in the church since 1987. I got saved in 1987. November 1st, 1987, I got saved. Been in the church a long time, and haughtiness is a major problem. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. This is Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. There are six six things the Lord hates. Don't say that about Jesus. I didn't. Jesus said it about Jesus. There are six things the Lord hates. We're going to look at two of them. Seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes and a lying tongue. We'll look at a third one, verse 19, a false witness. Christians struggle with haughtiness. 
That's why you have Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith God has given you. Now, does God ever advise not to think too lowly of yourself? Why? Because that's not our struggle. Oh, that's not me, Tom. I have low self-esteem. Low self-esteem is self-centeredness. That's all that it is. You focus so much on yourself. If you focus on yourself, you're going to get depressed because you're depressing. (laughs) You need to focus on the perfect God, not the imperfect you. If you're focusing on you all the time, you're going to get depressed. Paul said it in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. The things I want to do, I don't do. Even Paul, the biggest soul winner in the New Testament, struggled. Do you focus on yourself? You are, that's why we worship God. We don't worship ourselves. We don't put up images of human beings. We worship the Holy Spirit, Father God, and His Son Jesus in this room. We don't, if, you, if, you, if you are struggling with your self-esteem, you are actually a worshiper of yourself. There's nothing to be concerned about. Just say this, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I'm either saved or I'm not. No, Tom, life is not that simple. It is. It really is that simple. Christians are like criminals in an interrogation. They really are. There's a very, where's Lenny? She in here, Lenny, wave your hand. very experienced detective in the back. Ask, ask him. What do, what do criminals do in investigations? She'll amen this. They minimize their offenses. Criminals like to blame others. Well, I only did it because I was drunk. Oh, wow, well, that's, oh, that's the exception in the Florida State Statute book. Oh, you're good. And it's good with God's judgment, too. I only did it because I was drunk. They like to blame others for it. I only did it because he told me to. She made me do it. You punched all of her teeth out. How does she make you do that? Criminals like to confess what they want to confess. And not what you're looking for them to confess, the real crime. And not what will cost them. And they will avoid the most grievous offense. Oh, Tom, you're being mean this morning. Is it true? Listen, if this doesn't apply to you and you're completely transparent and not struggling, you can cast off everything I'm saying, kick back right now, and actually go on your phone. We need to stop being con artists and start confessing. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I wish my husband would do that. That's right. You're like, Tom, why do you pick on men? Because they're supposed to be the leaders in their home. I don't care if it's chauvinistic. I don't care what any lady in here thinks about, about Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 25. I don't care because that's the word of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I go by the word of God. If that offends you, it offends you. There's a billion other churches that will not offend you, that will enable you to live in mediocrity for the rest of your life and accomplish absolutely nothing in your one time around this spinning rock. You can go to coffee house Christianity. What's you, you know, why do you struggle? It's my husband. Well, let's talk about him. Let's go to the Our Husbands Stink Support Bible Study Ministry. (laughs) What, is there a hub group at Foundation Church called My Husband's Worthless? 
Where's that one at? And some husbands are worthless. You need to stop being worthless. If you're scared of your wife, you're worthless. Like, why do you talk about that? Because I'm telling you right now, it's somewhere in the 70 to 80% bracket of parents that are scared of their kids and husbands that are scared of their wives. I will never get how any man can be scared of a girl. Amen. Just see the faces I'm seeing right now. <laughs> the guys, are, they're afraid to say they're not afraid right now. They're afraid to take a stand. You know what's so funny too about, I've noticed this about Christian women, is they want their husbands to be saved really bad. And they, they come in and they come to, they, they make a mistake because they really don't know their own heart and don't face their own struggles and they bring their husband here. <laughs> and their husband has preached how to be a real man under the gospel of Jesus. And then they leave with their husband to go to a soft pedal church because they don't like actually that their husband has taken the mantle of leadership in their own home. I've seen it time and time again. Tom, it's you. It's not me. It's Bible verses. That's all that I'm preaching is Bible verses. I'm not some ogreous Lord in my house. But who's in charge? I'm in charge. Period. Now, what's the great thing about being in charge is I delegate. <laughs> Most, if not all things, to the wife. <laughs> you need, listen, you got a pride alliance? Male comes in to kill hyenas. <clears throat> Occasionally help you take down a big old bison or something, but that's it. You're welcome. <laughs> we need to stop living in darkness and live in the light and name the struggle. First John chapter one, verses five and six. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet live in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. I've said this a million times in this church. You need to learn to love the light. Not the light that's vague and, oh, Jesus is the light of my life. I'm talking about a light that exposes. You need to learn to love it. But a universal problem in the church is haughtiness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Guess how many people in here in this very room are something? Nobody. We're all nothing. For Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. We're all nothing. If you think yourself to be something when you are nothing, you are living in deception. And haughtiness is deception. And it goes to all levels. Look at our country. Our country is destroyed because of haughtiness. I mean, how do you have people, and I don't care which party, Go up to a podium and talk about economics when they have cast our country into $30 trillion worth of debt and just tacked on two more trillion under a COVID bill that has 9% COVID spending in it. That's why we are where we are, is haughtiness. People, people reverence these politicians. They're your representatives. 
Do you realize they're not your leaders? Are you aware of that? They're not your leaders. They're your reps. The Constitution and the president is your leader. Everybody else is a rep. Rick Scott, Senator, Florida, rep. Marco Rubio, rep. They are not your leaders. They're supposed to be doing your will on Capitol Hill. 1 Corinthians 3.18. We're warned over and over again. Remember a moment ago I said we're not to think more highly of ourselves, right? It never says do not think of yourself more lowly because that's not our struggle. Our struggle are things like this. Deceives himself. 1 Corinthians 3.18. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he can become wise. We struggle with haughtiness. Haughtiness is deception. And this is a common spirit. There are people in this room struggling with haughtiness that think they're humble. Try bringing correction to somebody's true struggle. I challenge you. Try to bring it. How, how's that work? Have you ever tried to bring correction to somebody who did not want to be corrected? Try bringing correction to somebody's true struggle, not the fun one, not the fun struggle that they put out for everybody. Fun struggle is things like, you know, yeah, I do, I struggle with self-esteem. That's the fun one. I struggle, I, you know, I struggle with my past. That's the fun one. They're nice and vague. It's hard to really say anything about. Actually bring, bring correction to somebody's true struggle. Not the one they want you to know. Not the propaganda. You know what I'm talking about. Not the one that it's, that's their fault. They don't want that one. Not the one that's evidenced by no fruit or bad fruit. In the body of Christ, we have what I call kings with no kingdom. They walk around for decades in their life, floating from church to church, claiming a ministry that does not exist. I come to bring correction to pastors. Oh, really? I don't know that one in the Bible. Oh, the, the five-fold ministries. Correction to pastors. Hmm. A pastor of pastors. Heard that one, too. That doesn't exist. I'm an intercessor. Oh, that's not in here, either. For there is one God and one mediator, which is intercessor between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Priests are gone. Priests were intercessors. I'm not saying you can't be a prayer warrior. I'm just saying there is no such thing as you interceding for me to God. That's heresy. It's actually blasphemy to claim that you are some sort of priest that I have to go to to have pray for me. Whoops! That's a whole, that's, I'll tell you right now, that offends people more than telling their hell-bound hell sinner. You dare say something about unbelief or intercessory, an intercessor ministry does not exist. It doesn't. It's not in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, no thank you. You're setting yourself up to be the next Catholic church when you do that. How dare you say that? I was raised Catholic. I can say whatever I want. It's like I can badmouth Irish and Germans too because that's what I am. (laughs) 
Haughtiness is a common spirit. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. We're going to read it fast. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they saw you without a mask on. They saw you without a double mask on. They saw you without a spit shield on. They saw you in a church that doesn't sit in COVID clumps. Oh, no. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And listen, for those Christians that are struggling with Sabbath, specific days, it's over. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. I'll show you in a minute. He answered, Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? They entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in that, in the law, that the priests on on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. There are no more special days. There are no more special ceremonies. You are free. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to do any ceremonial thing. There is no day that God reckons. I know the old, I, listen, I know. I know, I know Deuteronomy. I, know, I mean Exodus 23 through 17. I know the Ten Commandments. That's the old covenant. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? That's old. It's meant to set up the new. But it's old. Jesus is now Lord of the Sabbath. So every day is the Sabbath. Going on from that place, verse 9, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason. Look at now, this is what the Pharisees were all about. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it unlawful to heal? Uh, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? This is how religious and haughty these people are. Do you think they really care about your health or are they trying to control you right now? To usher in the mark of the beast, the dragon. In the new world order, in the cashless society, in universal incomes. They use this man with an infirmity to bring charges against Jesus. That should sound familiar. Because they're doing that right now. They're using a disease to bring charges against the righteous. A woman who owns a bistro in Michigan was arrested on Friday this week. March 19th, 2021, not 2020, 2021 on day 370 of 15 days to flatten the curve. And the Pharisees are no different. The Pharisaic cult mentality is another common spirit. Is it unlawful? They actually point the guy out, the poor man who has a shriveled arm, Is it unlawful for you to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? 
How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored. Oh, man, the Pharisees repented at that moment. But the Pharisees, verse 14, went out and plotted how they might kill him. I hope we have time to deep dive into this because I want you to see it. He told them the truth about themselves, did he not? What did he say to them? He said, you're religious. And let me make something very clear to you. Evangelicals are now competing in the religious realm like I've never seen them before. What do you mean by that? We are becoming the next Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic church. It's happening right now under, under the moniker, under the moniker of modern day evangelism or, mon- or, or modern day evangelical churches. You have websites that look like ours and don't preach the gospel. They sing the same songs we do, but don't preach the gospel. You can sneak through with songs. You can't hide from the word of God. You can't. You're either preaching it or you're not. If you never say anything about hell, about repentance, about judgment, you're not preaching the gospel. Well, we do that to usher people in. You're lying to them. How would lie? It's, it's absolutely no different than mask wearing. You're a virtue signaler. That's all you are when you preach like that. You're establishing your own virtue at the detriment of your brothers and sisters. Look how virtuous and kind I am by not telling you you're going to hell. How lovely, how lovely. Why don't you just have them jump out of an airplane without a parachute and just say kind words as they're jumping out. Love you, love you, love you. See you in hell. But you sure thought I was nice, didn't you? Didn't you tell me I was nice? Tell me I was nice. That's all that matters to me. Tell me I was nice. Tell me you love me. You're not here to be loved. You're here to love. You love people by telling them the truth. And Jesus did. He told these Pharisees. And a lot of us don't get it. We think that that was easy. It's not easy. These were not just religious leaders. They were leaders, period. These were members of the Sanhedrin. This was the governing body of Israel under the Roman Empire. But overall, they were the governance. It was not easy to do it. To say to these people, you're religious, you're whitewashed tombs. I won't wear a mask. Your response is a con. Well, you just don't care about those who are dying. No, what I care about is truth, period. People die every year. You don't care about them either. Abortionist, baby butcherer, you don't care either. 60 million per year, and you're telling me to strap a mask on my face to save who? You hypocrite, you religious person. And understand, COVID is nothing more than the newest cult. Let me tell you this story after I lube the tubes. I was parking cars at the Braves game on Friday. I'm like, Tom, what on earth are you doing there parking cars? We had a buddy of mine with the sheriff's office and he asked me to come over there and help. So I was over there parking cars for four hours, four and a half actually to be exact. 
<laughs> watching America when you're parking cars tells you a lot of things. <laughs> At the surface level, nobody knows how to drive. <laughs> Not a soul. I mean, I just wonder how it is that you can't park your own car straight. I even would tell them, like their parking spots over here, this is old, this is how we used to direct traffic. Nobody else, everybody else was a retiree. It was me and a bunch of civilians, which is brutal for a cop to work with civilians when it comes to traffic. <laughs> Nothing's fast enough. Everybody's laughing when they should be serious, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so I would tell them, you're going to have to come like this. You're going to have to come like this. They just come right here, and then they, they're like, what do you want me to do for you? Lift your car into the spot? I tell the guy, you park right here, and he parks 10, 10 spots down there. I'm like, he goes, oh, we got a group of people. And I told him, that I'm like, I'm the wrong person. This is part of the reason why I retired from law enforcement. <laughs> I said, well, if everybody did what you did, this would be absolute disarray. And I didn't have time because I had a whole sermon for him, but he turned his back. <laughs> I'll just walk into your house then. Every, let's just all do what we want to do. I can walk in here. I'll go swim in your pool. I'll eat out of your refrigerator. Let's all do what we want to do then, right? Everybody loves to be that person that blows off authority until it lands on your own doorstep. Wait till all these people open the southern border. 100,000 people a month. January, February, and March have crossed that border. 700 kids a day. A day. Wait, they're flying them up to the Canadian border. They're loading them on planes right now and flying them up. Eventually, that will land on the libtard porch. It will. Wait till it's your daughter that was raped. Wait till it was, wait, wait till it was your kid that was killed in a DUI crash. From somebody that, it's bad enough if that happens, period, from somebody allowed to be here. You know how many people are allowed in legally into this country? Legally? Per year? Per year. One to two million per year. It's called chain migration. You ever heard of that? Everyone says one million. It's not one. Because when they allow, they just put the husband up there as the one migrant. He's got his wife, his kids, his grandparents, his parents. Bring 17 people in. It's called chain migration. It's absolute truth. And we're going to open up the border for everybody else and all those people just have to wait another decade to come in? They'll tell you there's 11 million illegal immigrants here. That was the stat that was put out in 2000, 21 years ago. I'm telling you right now, I was looking this up because I wanted to figure out who it is that kills Asians most often. Everyone says it's white guys, kills Asians all the time, white people. White people kills all the black people. White people kill all the Asians. White people kill all the Hispanics. Here's the stats on that. I was looking up, first of all, what's, what was the, I looked it up as 2018 UCR FBI statistics. What was our population in 2018? 280 million. We're 330 now. Whoops. You, what do you really think we have in the country? That's those people who answered the census. We're probably 400 million. We've probably gained 100 million since 2000. 
Who kills Asians the most? Who kills white people the most? White people. <laughs> Who kills black people the most? Black people. Who kills Hispanic people the most? Hispanics. Who kills Asians the most? Black people. Whoops. Truth. The FBI, UCR statistics. And everyone's saying that it's white supremacists out marching around killing people in Atlanta. It's got nothing to do with race. I could care less who it was. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Could it be that what, uh, black people and Asians are sharing a community, which is why it happens more often? Yes. It's nothing to do with skin color. It's got to do with culture every single time, how you were raised, how it went. doesn't matter. You're welcome. That's just the truth. That's the truth of things. And we ought never to hide from it. Back to Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus performs a miracle in their sight, did nothing. Just like what I said right now. How do people respond when their world narrative is torn down by truth? Rage. You know how I respond when somebody tells me the truth? Brokenness. You're like, you're bragging about yourself. I'm not. I'm just in that area. I've got it. I've got other struggles. I'm just telling you, when somebody comes to me in the truth, I don't respond in rage. I respond in introspection and brokenness. Is it true? It depends. Now listen, if it's some yahoo on the street who's calling me names, I've got in the backseat of my police car and he's saying horrible things about my mother, I don't listen to that with brokenness. If my wife comes to me and says, a trusted friend, my closest friend, my wife comes to me and says, here is an area of struggle in your life. Ask her. She's right there. I can't get to her. Ask her how I respond. I do not come and go, that's, that's not true. You know what I say? You're right. If she's right, she's right. What's the point of defending yourself? There's men that need to hear from their wife. You know what? You're a lazy slob who doesn't work. Boom! Wake up and start working. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight says you're worse than an infidel if you don't, if you don't supply, if you don't provide your own house for your own home. Well, this is, this is the age of women's lib. You know, she needs to go out and provide. Nope! You'll be judged differently than that. You provide. If she wants to work, great. Let her go work. Have a great life. Do whatever it is you want to do, mom, wife. But husband, what are you doing laying around at home? I just can't find a job. Bull crap. I've been employed since I was 16 years old without missing a day. You can't find a job. That was through every recession, every Democratic regime, every Republican regime. I've been employed the whole time. What did you do, Tom? I worked at Taco Bell. I washed dishes at Farlow's. That was my first job, right there, Farlow's, washing dishes. I, I changed tires, I cut down trees. In my house, you weren't allowed to stay there. So some of us need to hear, get off your lazy rear end. I see it all the time in the church, so we need money. What for? Well, my husband's not working. Tell, send his chubby butt into me first. <laughs> send him into me first. Because I got something I want to say to him. What was the attitude of the Pharisees to Jesus' ministry? 
He told them they were religious, performed the miracle right in front of their face. What was, their atti- what was the attitude? They were strongly religious and stayed in it. Matthew 12, 2. When the Pharisees saw this, picked some he- remember what they saw? They picked some heads of grain. They said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They were religious people. Number two, they were hard-hearted. Look at Acts chapter 7, 51 through 53. Entitled, Israel resists the Holy Spirit. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardening ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You're like, thank goodness that's not me. Are you sure? Because does your fruit testify to that? Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. That's who these Pharisees were. And here's the interesting part. This is the part I wanted to get to. They knew Jesus would heal the man with the shriveled hand. They knew he would. And they still chose religion. How does this apply to today? Who's in the room of the Trinity? Who's in the room? The Holy Spirit. He's here. They knew Jesus would heal the hand of the shriveled man, but chose religion. The modern church knows the Bible or knows about the Bible and still chose to close. Closing is religion. It's not the Bible. It's religion. You, oh, you had to use wisdom. We didn't know what the, oh, nope, nope, nope. That is not in the Bible. Knock it off. Stop saying it. The Bible says no plague shall draw near thy dwelling. The Bible says whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. The Bible says if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Bible says he took up our infirmities and carried our diseases away. So if you, you are a Pharisee, if you closed your church, you're just like them. You knew Jesus could take care of it, but you closed anyway, just like they did, just like them. And everybody in the church badmouths the Pharisees. They should say, that's who I am. Today's evangelical religion is this. My kindness guides all things. My kindness guides all things and trumps all things. My wisdom guides all things. My kindness and my wisdom are above God's word. Just like the Pharisees. They knew he would heal them. They knew he was God. And still chose their religion. Still chose their pedigree. Still chose their stature. Still chose their portrait. I can't be the pastor that keeps my church open because people won't think I'm compassionate. Take your compassion. (laughs) My kindness and my wisdom are above God's word. Interesting. Just like the Catholics. My kindness, listen, I was raised that way. I was raised in Catholicism. Oh, you know, don't believe all, you know, that, that hell's not to be taken literally. Oh, gosh, you're so kind. Thank you so much when I'm burning in hell with a worm-ridden feast of a body. 
for all of eternity, thank you for those kind words. Tom, you're too mean. That's no meaner than Jesus. Just like the Episcopalians and the Presbyterians are so kind. Telling people they're okay when they're not. Telling people they're saved when they're not. Telling people they're, they're not struggling when they are. Now, now, that's not meant to be taken literally. I believe that, but you have to use wisdom. I'm quoting them. We have to make our faith appealing to the world. Hell is very extreme. Judgment is very offensive. Requiring repentance could be offensive to the unrepentant. So we'll avoid it and usher everybody straight to hell. And if you don't, listen, if you don't go, I'm talking hellfire and brimstone right now, but I'm not talking about just sin. Pastors need to be confronting people about their struggles so that they can have the life that they are called to lead. Not the one they want to lead, the one they are called to lead. Today's evangelical religion is 2021's Catholicism. They're no different. Absolutely no different. My kindness and my wisdom are above God's word. Does that sound familiar to you? Does it sound familiar to you? Is that, Isaiah, I was about to say that like Pastor Rodney. How does he say it? Isaiah. He says it in some funky way, and I was about to do it. Now I can't remember it. <laughs> Isaiah 14, 12 through 16, the fall of Lucifer. This is what it says here. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you cut down to the ground. You are weakened, you, have, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Just, I believe the word of God, but you have to use wisdom. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. My kindness is above God's word. It's kind to close because we're trying to save people from getting sick. So we absolutely profane the word of God by doing the opposite and then claiming that we follow it. Sounds like the Democratic Party with the Constitution. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Many pastors and many Christians are doing the exact same two things. I'll read them to you again. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. You need to understand those two things. Not only does the devil say, and many Christians and pastors, that I will exalt, I will be like the Most High. The devil said, I'm going to be exalted above the Most High. Your kindness never trumps the Bible. Ever. I don't care what logic you have behind it. Ever. And you need to always look at it. Who is it that's telling you to do what you are doing? Does anybody do that in here? Do you look at who is telling you to do what you are doing? I do not take orders from the baby butchering monstrosities that are putting them out. I will not do it. I will not take orders from the World Health Organization that has been caught putting sterilizing agents 
into polio vaccines distributed by the millions in the world. I won't take orders from those people. Tom, it could cost you your job. Don't care. That's a big problem in this country. Everybody will do anything to save their job. You have cops all over the place right now. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of our national law enforcement, specifically the Gestapo, which is the FBI. But all the COVID cops out there, I would never go and confiscate people's firearms, ever. I'll quit before that. You're like, Tom, you're already done. I'm telling you, in my 25 years, if you don't believe me, you don't know me. Before I ever laid hands on a woman playing with her son alone on a playground because she wasn't social distanced from her own child or wearing a mask, over my bloody dead corpse would I ever arrest somebody for that. And cops all over this nation are doing it. All over Canada are doing it. Two of the greatest democracies that have ever existed have turned into communist states because people are afraid to lose their job. Lose it and live in integrity. Lose it and repent and submit yourself to God. For my God shall supply all my need. Not my job. Lose your job. I love it. We got a builder. They're actually in here right now. I love it. It just said somebody pulled up to a job and people were offended by their Trump sticker. We don't have to stay. It's up to you. God will supply. You're a Christian company. God will give you all more than you can handle. You don't tithe. If you tithe, he'll give you all you want and more. Be careful what you wish for. You'll be too busy. You don't like it? See ya. Nobody ever walks up to me and says a word to me about mass. I don't know what it is about me, but nobody does. Not a word. I was at the hospital on Monday visiting a friend. He's an ICU person comes to church here. And is at Inglewood Hospital, and it was packed, packed on Monday, packed. There wasn't a seat in that COVID spread Waiting room, packed, 40, 50 people in there. If you've never been in the waiting room there for the ER, there's, that's packed, there wasn't a soul. Every person of all ages, from the smallest baby, had masks on. I'm like, where do you find a mask that small? Strap on your poor kid's face. You had a special order that from the mask section of the JCPenney catalog? Does it come with the little outfits like the masks do in Walmart now? Got a little mask on top of it. Take those and shove them up your caboose too. I think that must be it. The whole caboose factor. I emanate that sort of anointing when I go into a place. So I waltzed into the waiting room. Every person, security guard, nurses, everybody, even the person I came with, puts on their mask. I went in and sat down. Hello. Security guard comes in, ignores me. So they, the security guard comes in to take us because we're back to ICU, and you know, we're on a major COVID alert here, so you have to be real careful about everything. So the security guard has to come and usher you back to the ICU waiting room. He says nothing. So I go strooning about the entire hospital. <laughs> no mask, all the nurses, I'm sure people are like, 
Who's that guy? They want me to leave, I'll leave. The only time, they, the only time I've ever put a mask on was right there that night when I went into the ICU because they wouldn't let me in the ICU without it. And then I wasn't even allowed in the room. I stood outside a glass door and prayed for an hour. Absolutely ridiculous. I won't be like these people. I'm not going that way. I'm not gonna strap lies on my face. I don't care what you say. I don't care what anybody says. I won't do it. Let me read you this verse, Acts 24, 14. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, they call, listen, you and I to the modern church are heretics. How dare you stay open? I don't know. The Bible told me to. Oh, that's not the religion we follow. I know, Satan. That's the same as Satan. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'll be like the Most High. No, thank you. But this I confessed unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. He's given us all things. I believe all things that are in the Bible. I'm going with the Bible. Even though according to the modern day Catholics, which is the evangelical movement, according to their religion, I'm a heretic. Their religion's not in the Bible, though. Six minutes to go. Everybody with me? What was the attitude of the Pharisees? They knew Jesus would heal that man, but still chose their narrative, still chose their stature. Jesus said, you hear me preach this all the time. This is in uh, John chapter 8, verse 45. Because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. COVID-19 particle is 0.06 to 0.14 microns. The greatest mask on the planet available to civilians is an N95. It starts at 0.3 microns that it can block, three times the size of a large COVID particle. You think your mask will do anything for you? Because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Where did you get that from? Just a doctor. It's a quote. It's a quote from an MD. Every graph on the planet right now will show you that masks do absolutely nothing. Yet they tell you, put more on. That works right out the, you can put those two words together. Put more on, more on, more on. <laughs> they chose their stature. They chose their narrative. All these pastors, that's exactly what they're doing. I'm choosing to keep my job. I'm choosing my narrative. I'm choosing my stature over preaching the Bible. Yeah, you, you know what? You may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death like I did when we kept this church open and I watched 30 to 40% of this church leave. But that's seed. It's seed that's planted in the ground that will come up to your benefit if you stand in the word of God. Just like every dime that you give, every sacrifice that you make, everything that you look at as seed will come up out of the ground. Plant it. Well, it, make, it, it, it causes me emotional angst. What are you, for? What are you, a 12-year-old girl attending, attending L.A. Anger? I got a boo-boo on my feelings. This is real church. This is how it's supposed to be. What do you think Jesus' sermons look like? 
See, you guys are all crazy to come here. I'm telling you. you I, people tell me at the door now, we've been here six weeks. We've been here eight weeks. I'm like, whoo, you're doing great. Way above average. You've come more than my entire family combined over 16 years. They knew Jesus would heal the man, and they used the, the man that was infirmed as bait to arrest Jesus because their stature meant that much to them. And here's the saddest thing is they knew Jesus would heal the man, therefore they knew Jesus was God and still chose their stature. No different than the modern church. They knew there's, if you know the Bible at all, you know you're safe from COVID, but you chose your stature. You, ch you know what? You chose to, so that the YMCA or your local chamber of commerce would go, you know what? That's a good church. They're just like Burger King. They closed and the church closed. Burger King and something, something Presbyterian church, same thing. You're welcome. <laughs> Amen. Trying to figure out, oh, here it is. We'll end right here. Then the Pharisees, hey, I'll read you the verses real quick. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. So the verse 13, stretch, so he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Here's where I'm finishing. Miracles do not change people. How do I know this? The Bible. Matthew eleven twenty. 20, Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. These Christians all signed me up for that conference. You never deal with your struggle. Conference didn't have nothing to do with your struggle. Why are you going to another one? I gotta go see Chris Tomlin one more time. You're about to get divorced. Maybe you ought to repent. Miracles don't change people. The unrighteous seek a sign. The weak Christian seeks titillation and verification. The weak Christian does that. Titillation, verification. So we walk by faith and not by. John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you saw, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. First Corinthians 1, 22 and 23. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. Mark chapter 8, verse 11. The Pharisees seek a sign. And the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. Only the weak do that. It doesn't change anything. Here's where I'm finishing. Worship team, make your way. Only one sentence changes people. Are you ready? I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> In all seriousness, some of us need to go home today and get alone with God and start confessing. Or just say to God, because you're, listen, some of us are so deceived we don't even know we're supposed to be confessing. You need to get alone in your prayer closet and go to God. Lord, what is it? What is it?
I'm open. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 34, 18 and 19. Get alone with God and say, what is it, Lord? What is it? There's one thing that will, that brings people to God. Only one thing changes people. Confession unto repentance. The Pharisees of yesteryear and today refuse it. The haughty refuse it. The frauds refuse it. The coveteers refuse it. Don't let that be you. There's not a person in this room. There you know I'm done right there. There's not a person in this room without a struggle. There's not a person. I'm in this room. There's not a person in the room without a struggle. Will you air it out to God? That's where I'm starting. And if you want to watch the second message, that's where I'm starting is airing it out. That's where we'll go. That's where we'll launch from the second service. You got to air it out. Just say it. Don't go to everybody. You can go to your spouse or a very trusted Christian who's stronger than you. And you can air things out with them. But mainly, air it out to the Holy Spirit. Here's where I am, Lord. Here's where I am. I struggle with this. And I yield it to you. I did that this morning on my walk. I went out and I just said, Lord, I repent of this. Lord, I repent of this. I named like five things. Lord, I repent of this. I'm not going to tell you what they are. I repent of it. Because I'm not going to hide from God. I'm just going to tell him, Lord, I struggle with these things. And Lord, I turn from them in Jesus' name. Some of those things that I confessed had nothing to do with heaven or hell. Some of them did. But I confessed before the Lord and I said, Lord, I repent of these things. Will you do the same? Or will you paint that portrait and keep carrying it around for the rest of your life with no fruit to back up the portrait that you're carrying around? Don't do it. God knows already. Amen. I'm not just, I'm not talking just sin, but if it's sin, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute to get rid of it. It's everything. Air it out in the presence of God. Stand with me today. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.